going to be weird if we did this podcast about, hey, aren't the Ricketts great? <laughs> you know what? This week has taken a turn since we last spoke, and everything's fine. <laughs> Two days later. What, what if we pretended everything turned out okay with the Anthony Rizzo contract saga since this is coming out on Friday? Like, Because, I mean, it's a non-zero chance that somebody in the Cubs gets their sanity and realizes, oh, we should actually sign the most popular player in franchise history in the face of this world championship team. Yeah. I mean, that that's a good base. Yeah, maybe it's all, maybe they're playing the long game. Maybe it's like, you know, opening day is on April fool's day. They're going to be like, just kidding. We're not assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. We do know what the fuck we're doing. (laughs) Pat Hughes goes to the microphone and I have some breaking news. Uh, Oh man. And they play, uh, they start playing bad blood. They start, uh, (laughs) they're playing Rizzo's music. Like, if he goes to another organization, it's going to be, like, an emotionally sad thing to hear that intoxicated clap-along song coming oh from God. some of the team's PA system, you know? Like, that is going to crush me. Like, if it comes from, like, God forbid, the Marlins or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's the baseball image I want less than any other. I, I, I just, it, it just doesn't make sense to see Rizzo in, in any other jersey, having any other fans get to enjoy everything he does. Uh, We're going to need the, the sad violin cover of Intoxicated. <laughs> 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 Pentatonix <team>. does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, we promised that we wouldn't be talking too much sad Cub stuff on this one. So let's do the show open and then jump into the rest of baseball and see if that picks our mood up. Uh, this is the Three Strikes Are Up podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number 69. And I had to uh, nice. deep, deep yeah, to find this one. This is the Bronson Arroyo with the Pirates episode. Wow. Uh, not a lot okay. of players wore 69 in their career, oddly enough. What you'd think as a baseball player thing, that would be like a go-to, right? You would think, oh, be- yeah. yeah, beyond the 30s, you would think it would almost be the number one request. <laughs> you know, once you get past real numbers, maybe <laughs> the 40s. Yeah. It, you it, know Dakota Meccas has, uh, has requested <laughs> that at some point. Oh, God. Dak- yeah. <laughs> You got to call him up just for that, just, just because <laughs> it would be perfect. Uh, yes. But yeah, and of course, I am enough of a Jimmy Pardo stand to know that I have to pause here at this point while everybody says, up top, my brother. So yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my name is Ken Schultz, the contributing writer to Outsports, Baseball Perspectives, Cubs Den, blah, 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 you know, all that, and comedian who, as of this podcast, got vaccinated this Wednesday. So hey, how about qualifying it? comedian on my job title maybe this summer. That'd be nice. Uh, the other voices you are hearing are my brothers in podcasting Ness. <laughs> yes. This improv ends with a word that's not. Uh, the co-hosts of Cubs Brawl, the Away Games podcast. <laughs> Kevin McCaffrey, Adam Amawala are back for our season preview crossover. Gentlemen, what a pleasure. Hey, I'm Kevin. Thanks for, thanks for having us, Ken. Always. And I'm Adam. Thank you, Ken. Good to be here. <laughs> You're quite welcome, sir. You almost lapsed into the NPR impression at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Like all of us could do a halfway decent. This is the Three Strikes You're Out podcast. (laughs) Sponsored by the Chubb Group and listeners like you. (laughs) I do feel like the the TWIB theme that you use is kind of, uh, it's it's very grandiose. I feel like that could be on NPR. Yeah, it's, it's very like baseball's image of itself from like the 1960s where yeah. the sport of you know, culture and the symphony and class and 
also Gaylord Perry spitting on the ball and throwing it at that. <laughs> Class and loogies. Yeah. Uh, you can hear the first part of our season preview on the Away Games Cubs Brawl podcast. And I switched the title around in my mind. You know what? It's fine. Yeah. It's yeah, it's search away games podcast and you'll you'll find us just fine. You should. Yeah. And uh, we will be talking about MLB in general for this one. And we'll start with perhaps the most intriguing games, the 19 games in the MLB schedule this year. Uh, is Padres Dodgers going to be the new Red Sox Yankees? I mean, I think I think it's got to be right now in terms of the Red Sox Yankees that we think of from uh, like the I, I guess the the two thousands, the sort of what I I would say was the most heated version where both teams were really good and both teams were and both teams were uh, hateful of each other. You know, it seems like there is actual animosity between the Dodgers and the Padres. There's a clear structure from a narrative standpoint. That's very helpful with storytelling. You've got the behemoths who are coming off a world series win, who have the biggest payroll, all this stuff. They're Los Angeles versus the, you know, the one professional sport or the one of the big four, at least uh, town of, of San Diego and, yeah, I think it's the closest thing we've got right now. To it's the premier rivalry from a quality and emotional standpoint in baseball right now. I would say, and it's very like 2015 Cubs sneaking up on the Cardinals sort of vibes. Like, Good I could definitely see a an NLCS where it's uh, you know Padres and Dodgers and the Padres end up knocking them down, and uh, it could also be the sort of situation where very much like that year that I'm referencing. The Padres and Dodgers could both win 95 plus games. It would not surprise me at all. So I, I do think it's probably it's probably the rivalry I'm most excited about. Like when I think about any non-Cubs games that I'll be excited to watch this season, I feel like Padres and, and Dodgers are going to be up there. Yeah, I'm going to want to stay up until midnight every night to see how those turn out. And the, what I like about it, there are a couple things I like about it. The first is that it's Mookie Betts versus Fernando Tatis Jr. That in and of itself is just a, yeah, let's bring it on. Let's see 19 games of that. They talk Total about choice. two of the most talented and most exciting and most fun players to watch. And to see them go head-to-head -head is should be in a competent league, in a competent sports organization, a marketing dream come true. As yeah. for MLB, who the fuck knows? But <laughs> Yes, exactly. Also, I'd like to shout out the, the Dodgers for – being a being a team of like there's a, there's a good number of really likable guys on that team which would normally make uh, a behemoth a, a juggernaut uh more difficult to hate and then they went ahead and added Trevor Bauer yeah. and paid him more than anybody <laughs> and that i mean just you almost have to respect them leaning into being a heel in that way to just from a narrative standpoint to make me feel better about rooting for the Padres against them you hate Trevor Bauer what are you a woman <laughs> are you a woman or uh, am i an anti-science woman is that <laughs> yeah hey i can say that my agent's a woman <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's yeah. uh yeah it's it's really something to think about that and and i i, I did an episode earlier with a friend of the pod sarah sanchez we kind of delved into this it's it's the area the Dodgers improved that they really didn't need to improve as a team either, because yeah. you already have a killer rotation with Kershaw and Bueller and Dustin May coming up from behind. Um, adding Trevor Bauer, yeah, it does make it deeper, but 
it, I don't think it necessarily improves your team overall because it doesn't really address a weakness. Right. You're sort of paying him for playoff starts, I guess, is really it. Because as you say, right, right now, you're talking about the fifth star, the, the fifth spot in the Dodgers rotation is going between Dustin May, who just throws like a hundred mile an hour torpedoing fastball after fastball, uh, Tony Gonsolin, who is good, and David Price. I mean, like these are <laughs> these are your fifth starter options in LA. So yeah, they it's interesting. They didn't need it, but I think the Dodgers are such a smart organization overall. I don't want Trevor Bauer on my team. I don't uh, I also don't think he's as good as he appeared to be last year if you look at the rest of his baseball card or the spin rates until you know he chooses to do something and then never address them verbally you know he suddenly claimed up about his own spin <laughs> rates he's notoriously shy uh, but like yeah I think uh, the one thing they showed you is that when you can commit a ton of money as a big market team to a guy for a couple years and it doesn't matter. You don't feel it. No. So th I thought that was, that alone is very smart, even if it's not the choice I would have made. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, he's a good player until you start believing in the rules and then <laughs> things start to change. And really, if you, if you sign Trevor Bauer for the playoffs, how'd that work out in 2016? <laughs> refresh sure. my memory how he did in the world series that year hmm. mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's uh, you, as cubs fans we do have to give a shout out to a man who lost half the games we needed a team to lose <laughs> uh that, that that was lovely so thank you yeah yeah i mean i i'm not in the business of defending trevor bauer ever but in his defense that was a while ago i mean he certainly improved as a pitcher since then but uh, i'm i'm all for trevor bauer hate yeah. oh sure he well and he was he was great in a 60 game season and he mm -hmm. was really good one other year he's been in the majors six years so mm -hmm. you know whatever i mean maybe he'll be great this year and we'll see um but yeah i but the point i guess the point is is just it's it for me it made it easier to to root against the dodgers and to be rooting for the padres and the padres are going to be the number one team that i'm watching besides the cubs i think when i log on to mlb.tv uh unless i'm somewhere where the blackout restrictions get me <laughs> and the, if if i'm not then uh yeah i think it's it's a really exciting rivalry and fun yeah. to have a team the, to watch the Padres were already fun. They be beat the Cardinals, which is always going to endear them to us. Uh, and they added you Darvish. So what's, yeah. what's not to like our guy. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And I like that the big rivalry in the game is going to be with a new team on a national level this year too. Like the Padres have been ignored for decades at this point. Like, they haven't really been relevant since the mid two thousands when they won the division a couple years in a row. And I think even one of those was like an 84 win team. It's so, hard to remember anyone from those from that team, even you know. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe Brian Giles off the top of my head, and sure, yeah. some Giles fun. Yes, <laughs> uh, but to just I I think it's just good as a phenomenon in baseball to mix in a new team that is going to be like a centerpiece for a couple of years. It, as a baseball fan, it's good to see fans kind of discover excitement about the game in markets where that have passed them over for decades. Well, yeah. And one market that doesn't watch a ton of baseball uh, should also be excited this year, the South side of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, they, they uh, in the American league, when you talk about teams that jump up into that, I was thinking about what rivalries come closest to the, the Yankees, Red Sox of old, the Red Sox shouldn't be as bad as they were uh, last year, but you know, that uh, the, the Yankees, Red Sox won't be what we think of it as, but you look at like Minnesota white Sox, uh, you know, 
Minnesota versus uh, the Chicago White Sox should be a great rivalry at the top of the AL Central. And the White Sox haven't been hadn't been good in a while until last year and Minnesota should be very good. And then the Mets and the Braves is really the other uh, top rivalry that I'm, uh, that I'm looking and at. And throw the Nats in there. Maybe it's a three-way yeah. rivalry. Yeah, it, right. The Nats, the Nats wouldn't surprise me no matter, almost no matter what happens with that team. Um, yeah. Yeah. The baseball barbecue podcast had a, in their preview had a section where they'd say 90 or 70 win teams. And they had uh, with the nationals is that, and it's like, yeah, they really could win 70 or if they won 95, I'd be like, yeah, look at their team. The top end of that team is huge. And I really want the Nats to be in the conversation this year because Lester and Schwarber are now a big part of what they're doing. Mm hmm. Yeah, they've got yeah, we 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 like the Cubs they've picked up and Juan Soto kicks ass. Trey Turner's really fun to watch run around, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh here's one I didn't throw this purposefully. I didn't prepare you guys for this because I want this to be off the top of your heads, but uh Ronald Acuna Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto. Pick one. It's <laughs> this is a, it's a great question. And what a fucking generation of top end fun superstars. I think if I'm picking for the long haul, I think I pick Soto first. I just think Soto is just like, he has such a gift for hitting a baseball and for that is it's beyond almost anything we've seen from a player in our lifetime. I mean, Mike Trout is right there, Kevin, but you know, like it is, I I just think if you're going to put a guy in left field and just be like, this will be a top three hitter in the world for the next 15 years. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's Juan Soto, even if, who do I mean, who do I want to watch on TV more? It could be either one of the other two because they have the speed element, the defense element in a way that Soto doesn't. But if I'm starting a team, I think it's really hard to argue with Juan Soto. Good call. Yeah, I go I go Soto as well. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting with Tatis because he's he's really only played a season's worth of games. And if you look at the numbers over those games, it's a joke. I mean, you you combine the shortened season last year and, and the games you played in 2019, and it's it's a stat line that's astonishing. But um, yeah, I think I'm I, I'm most excited to watch Tatis for a full season. Sure. But I think if you're asking me who I'm starting a franchise around, I go I go Soto every time. And just his uh, it, it, the discipline at the plate to then still be able to do what he does power wise, it almost seems impossible. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go three for three then, because I'm also Team Juan Soto. And for me, it's uh, what the the reasoning I'll use will make it seem obvious for why I'm choosing it. Uh, Jason Stark wrote a column sometime at the end of last year that Juan Soto's first two full big league seasons are within the realm of Ted Williams. I, w- I was just going to say that you don't want to put a Ted Williams comp on anybody, but that makes perfect sense why he'd click so well with Ken here, because it's like... You know, a left fielder who hits like that, who I would, I mean, one of the most fun YouTube clips for baseball nerds of, of our ilk is uh, Tony Gwynn and Ted Williams talking. I think it was with Bob Costas. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And I, I would give, I would, I would absolutely do pay-per-view money to watch Juan Soto and Ted Williams talk about how they hit too. Yeah. It is because it is such a specific kind of gift that, that seems to be similar between those two guys. And yeah. I can't think of any, I mean, Barry Bonds, I guess you would talk about as a, as a, as a similar, but I mean, we're talking about the best players in the history of the game at that point. Yeah. Did Ted Williams uh, shimmy out of the box after a cluster? <laughs> uh, 
if if he shimmied, it was just to spit at the fans. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was. I mean, he'd grab his crotch at someone, <laughs> but uh, it was different. And I just I do want to say, as Cubs fans, I looked it up. Uh, Juan Soto was born a month after the Cubs won the '98 Wild Card game. Good lord! Uh, he, he was <laughs> born a month after Mark Grace caught the foul ball uh, to send the Cubs to the playoffs. The, the baseball wow. positivity put out in the world by the 98 Cubs kind of coalesced. Um, <laughs> yes, so, for... Soto was a Cubs wildcard baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and, but I, I also say in for Fernando Tatis to what you said earlier about kind of the fun aspect of just fun to watch him. I went, When I went to a game in San Diego two years ago to go to see Petco Park for the first time, he got in a rundown in the first inning. Um where it was clear, like he was going back and forth and it was clear he was in trouble. And he made a move going back to first that the only way I can describe it is he turned himself into a human open parentheses as (laughs) Freddie Freeman tried to tag him. (laughs) And the umpire calls him safe. And it's one of those incredible moments that you only get in the era of replay when you attend a game where you watch it happen in real time and go, that can't, they're gonna overturn that. And then they show it on the big board when they go to the replay and you see this angle, nope, he's safe there. And you see another angle, safe there, another angle, safe there. Holy shit, what the hell just happened? Like yeah. he and Javi are like the two players that are best at getting those, those kind of moments where you just see over and over again, it, it takes three or four replays to realize that's genius. Yeah, you're playing outside the lines. You're doing things that uh, that other people don't do. And um, in... In a, in a game where sometimes you'll, you'll get people complaining about analytics and relying on analytics, whatever, all, all, all that stuff, analytics have their place. I think we all agree, but you watch the game to see something that surprises you and to see something fun. And these are guys, I mean, really, and Acuna too. I mean, it's amazing that we have two young players this young that we'd talk about before Ronald Acuna, like a guy who's a legit 40-40 threat. Uh, I, I, it's it's crazy, but um, but yeah, very very fun time for a a Hall of Fame young class of ball players. Absolutely, uh, you mentioned the White Sox earlier, so let's delve into that a bit. Uh, is Tony Larusa going to crash the White Sox like any car he happens to drive? <laughs> I was hoping you'd go there. Uh, I mean, I haven't I, I haven't seen any statements. I'm going to assume he uh, has blamed Eloy Jimenez's injury on being too flashy trying to rob a home run. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to remember, he is a Hall of Famer baseball person. So <laughs> All of Famer baseball I, I person. Cannot, I cannot think of a worse choice to manage that team. I, I, I do not understand it. I, I genuinely don't understand it. And I think that I think they may be a good team in spite of him. But just personality-wise, I, I, I'm perplexed by it. Like, it feels like a long practical joke. Might be the only, the thing I'm thinking it might be fun is to watch Tim Anderson chase Tony Larusa out of town, <laughs> like at some point because Anderson is not going to. It's not that he's. I mean, he seems to be a, a completely coachable player and a guy who's blossoming into a, a leader on that team at a, at a young age. But he's not going to play the old school games of Tony Larusa. I'm your boss, boss kind of shit. So. I think that team is so talented that I don't think LaRusse is going to, as Ken says, crash him like his Dodge Neon. But uh, <laughs> I do 
I, but I, yeah, it's such a particularly specifically bad choice for this team and this moment that it can't help. I mean, it's, I, it seems like it could very much be a Bobby Valentine one and out, you know? Oh yeah. The thing that pisses me off the most about this choice, and I feel bad for White Sox fans. So already the fact that I'm saying that should indicate how much this, this move pisses me off. But the thing about the White Sox last year, legitimately one of the most likable teams in baseball joyful to watch so many fun enjoyable good guys on that team and what is the one thing we know about every Tony La Russa team that goes into effect as soon as he gets there that if you throw inside any of our guys we're hitting you and you know that he's going to try to get the White Sox to do that and the fact that that he's going to force this unneeded unnecessary heel turn on on that pitching staff is it's it's obnoxious and it's it's yeah. terrible as a baseball fan to see that happen. Yeah, and it's just like a guy who I mean has been an out of touch pundit for years and it just seems like a when it was first rumored that the White Sox were talking to Larusa about their managerial opening. I mean, I thought at best it was Reinsdorf having lunch with a friend, maybe, you know, like in showing him respect that way. It seemed impossible that they would make this this decision at this important juncture for the White Sox when they are entering what should be a really good four or five, six year window. You know, Um, it's just like it seems like if anything you I mean, La Russa, if things go well, won't make it to the end of this window as a manager, probably. It just, it's its nonsensical. Uh, the, the fact that he's extremely old, he's been out of the game for so long. We know his opinions don't match up with the, the personalities on this team. And yeah, and I mean, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic and uh, travel is risky everywhere. And especially if Tony's driving your car, you know, as uh, so you, you don't want this guy doing anything he's going to be doing. I, I don't know why he wants to come back. Cause I don't think he enjoys baseball all that much. Like he's the one guy of all the hall of fame speeches I've watched over the years. The one guy who's gone up and seems pissed off that he was asked to do this, this greatest honor that you could possibly get in baseball. Like, yeah. I, I yeah, but I mean, hope- counterpoint, if you don't enjoy baseball, what better place to manage than Manfred's MLB? <laughs> True that. Oh my God. Like he can be the face of Manfred's MLB. <laughs> that would be, I mean, it's perfect, perfect branding for Manfred baseball 2021. <laughs> Tony La Russa back on the socks. Did you enjoy the early eighties? I just feel like the Padres are, are idiots. If they don't try to go out and get Clint hurdle because. I mean, <laughs> oh God. Oh, like, right. yeah, it, it, yeah, Clint Hurdle's just like, do you enjoy the personality of Tony La Russa with none of the baseball acumen? <laughs> you might enjoy Clint Hurdle. And the bright the bright red face of a negative uh, 40 degree Tom Coughlin. <laughs> yes, hey, the hey. Coughlin game in Green Bay. To be fair, there's also racism. So <laughs> There is, yes, he's, there's a, a, at minimum a dollop of racism from this man. <laughs> And on the subject of racism, uh, the 1990s Cleveland Indians had one of the most closest <laughs> logos ever. How's that for a professional segue? Uh, how close do you think the current group of Yankees are just in terms of an era to being the 90s Cleveland baseball team or the 2010s Detroit Tigers, where they put together this incredible roster full of guys that are in it every single year and are an intriguing playoff team every year, but there's always something missing. 
they, pretty they close. Feel, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they feel, right. It seems like at the moment, maybe I'd say they're closer to those Tigers because they're spending the money. It's a big payroll. You have the uh, it's a team full of strong veterans, whereas uh, the Indians were more of a team that I guess like they they built up internally and i mean the the yankees have had some of that too but um they built up internally and then were very good with that with that sort of great group of prospects that came to the majors or that they traded for in lofton's instance um so yeah they and it seems tiger's desk right now because also the yeah but the yankees haven't even gotten to the world series in the way that those teams did so it's interesting but i still I, i sort of do believe that the yankees will win it and it very well could be this year. Um, but, I mean, that's what we thought about the the teams you're mentioning too, right, Ken? So right yeah. now, yeah, they're in that group. Yeah. We also have to give them a little bit of a pass because the Astros were a team that stood in their way of doing that. Right. Man, th- so that swings me to the 90s Cleveland teams in terms of the most uh, detestable franchise getting in the way of your championship as the Marlins got in the way of Cleveland's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, it's it's... As, as kind of a follow-up, like, how would how do Yankee fans react if this team ends up kind of never winning a World Series with the Aaron Judge core in place? Because I mean, they, they don't like, like, if you don't win a World Series in a given year, let alone in an era. Yeah, Yankees fans are already putting themselves up on the cross since it hasn't happened uh, in the last decade, you know? So I, I think they'll certainly be, you know, they're long-suffering in their own minds for, like, legitimately. They really feel this way. Um, but, I mean, yeah, in terms of, I think it's interesting, Ken, to be like, how will they feel going forward about this core of players if they don't win? Because they sort of just, if you don't win with the Yankees, you're never in that club. You know, you're never in that yep. top tier. Whereas Cubs fans, we had to, we had to make allowances you know, for, <laughs> for our legends. But Above Yankees... 500, you're legends forever. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I've got my I mean, the Stanton, <laughs> the Stanton contract does not look good, given his injury track record. So that's, that's one thing that comes to mind immediately. But, um, yeah, it is, there's a very low tolerance for anything other than exceptionalism with the Yankees. So yeah, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they win the world series this year. So yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Good. And that's, that's the characteristic of those Cleveland and Detroit teams is every single year you'd think, okay, yeah, I could see them. This is the year that they get the pitching to put it all together and go on the run. And it just didn't happen. And that's, I mean, that's a special breed of frustration at uh, when at that, I mean, that's what uh, our parents experienced with the late sixties Cubs, at least my dad. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, totally. And uh and that, that, I mean, hovered over the franchise for decades, as you saw. And kind of on that subject, since we are experts in playoff droughts, MLB, I think, really would love to sell the concept of the next compelling playoff drought. So what do you think that is? Because there are a couple at this point that are kind of interesting and, and a little unique. What do you mean by that? Um, so... There's obviously no epic like Cub or Red Sox playoff drought right now, but mm-hmm. there are, um, for example, the Minnesota Twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, the playoff games. Uh, right, the twin is it eighteen in a row, Ken? That, yes, 18? I believe it's eighteen since Game One of two thousand four, when Johan Santana mm-hmm. shut out the Yankees. They have appeared in the playoffs. I want to say six or seven times, and have not won a single game, let alone it's... you know obviously haven't won a series. 
Uh, yeah, we I, thought it was bad when the Cubs had lost, I think, nine in a row yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, but and we were right. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. real bad. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's several years. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I think for a, I think that Ken is a great one to highlight in general because the and it does show it's sort of like the difference in uh, fan base and market expectations where the Yankees are like, dear God, we haven't won a World Series since two thousand nine, and the Twins are like. Hey, <laughs> you you guys have beaten us one million times in the row in the playoffs. <laughs> that sucks even more. Um, and the Twins are really good. And they've been built up in a really interesting way in that market. Like, uh, you know, they have made some signings here and there. Your Nelson Cruz's, your, you know, they've, uh, Josh Donaldson, they've added good pieces to this, to that team and just developed from a very good farm system. And just the randomness of baseball playoffs yeah has fucked them so hard. And uh, I think that's really compelling in terms of a playoff drought. It's like, obviously the, like the Mariners are the longest. We're not, the Mariners aren't doing anything. They're not making it this year. Although they have some very exciting prospects too. And could be, it could be a threat in the West in, uh, in upcoming years now that they've gotten rid of their horrific president uh, <laughs> of baseball operations. But um, how about the angels? Right. Yeah. That's the other Angels one. is a great pick. Yeah, go ahead, Adam. No, no, I'm I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go for it. No, no, that's yeah, please. I, I yeah, I just I mean, pick. it's been so long since they've been anything. And the fact that like I'm already at the point, and I say this coming into every year, if we get to the end of Mike Trout's career and we've all as baseball fans only seen him play three games in the playoffs, that I, I will never forgive the universe for that. Yeah. And yeah. We're, we're and as we're talking now, it's uh we're we're recording this the day after, but this is uh, now airing a few days after uh, Shohei, after a very promising, very promising spring, had a problem with his middle finger. Seems like it's blister, so hopefully that's all it is. But when the guys, I mean, he's hit at least five bombs this this spring and then has been touching 101 i think with his fastball yeah so the angels are so you look at that lineup i want to just watch a spring game i'm like how is this team not a 95 win team with trout and rendon and otani and it's such a uh, david no pitcher i guess i mean i guess that's the answer Right. Yeah, and Dylan right. Bundy's good now. He's, you know, too. So there's even some of that, but um, they, I think that's a great pick where it's like, that could be such an exciting team to watch in the playoffs. And our guy, Joe Madden's over there and Dexter Fowler now too. And I, 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 I it is so weird. It's the most bizarre roster to look at and then look at their record at the end of the year. So I think that is a, that's a very good pick. Like in a, in a world where the Cubs are bad, which is a very real world, as it turns out, probably this year, give me like an Angels Padres World Series and let me just have a field day with it. Yeah, it's uh, the Angels are kind of the victim of making catastrophic moves, like not just bad moves, but catastrophically bad when they make the big go all in moves, whether it's giving Pujols the 10 years and then he just turned into a lump from day one with them. <laughs> Or then <laughs> compounding that by giving Josh Hamilton five years on top of that. It's, yeah. it, they made the best possible move you could make as an organization in drafting and developing Mike Trout. And so many moves since then have been horrendous, which brings us to their big offseason signing this year is Jose Quintana. Huh, that's a coincidence, <laughs> right? Give maybe Ken's least favorite baseball name that has no like 
personal reason to distaste yeah. Yeah. him like you know like but maybe a very very who knows maybe a great guy we don't know but the guy who inspires more ire in ken schultz <laughs> Perfectly than anyone who's yeah. actually a bad person yeah it seems seems very nice well liked by teammates certainly no trevor yeah. bauer like but when he's yeah. on the field especially with the cubs jose quintana has the kind of years that you wish trevor bauer would have <laughs> yeah, yes, that's a that's a, a great point. I think that's good. And then in terms of it's not exactly a playoff drought so much, but I think as far as like a playoff storyline, I think Toronto is going to be really interesting hmm. this year. And that's because they still don't know where they live. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Dunedin, Florida, is that how you pronounce yes. it? Uh, that is going to be their home for a while. They were in Buffalo last year, and who knows if they'll get to go back to their actual home of Toronto. But they built up an interesting, cool team. Signed George Springer in the offseason. Uh, you know, they, they've got, uh, you know, interesting top of the pitching staff and a great <laughs> and a Tyler great class. Chatwood. <laughs> Tyler Chatwood, late-inning reliever. Hello. And, uh, you know, every baseball player from the 90s has a kid on that team and that and they're all like decent yeah they are fun like it, it, it's weird to me that like they've got two hall of famers kids but the best of the three might be Bo Bichette who um, Dante was a good player and mm -hmm. crushed for the Rockies for a couple of years but just in terms of genetics you would assume that Biggio or Guerrero would be far ahead of him which I mean mm -hmm. science is weird Right, but we were talking about Fernando Tatis Jr., right? Yeah. And it's like who, for the man of two grand slams in one inning and a few other homers might have birthed the, <laughs> the, the face of the next generation, you know? The biggest grand slam of all, yes. <laughs> yes. We'll be right back with our 2021 season predictions, but first, I predict you're going to hear commercials. I'll just show myself out. All right, let us move on to predictions then, gentlemen, looking at this year. Uh, let's go for MVPs first, uh, American League. I'm just going to go Trout because until he shows evidence that this he is going to definitely be in a de decline phase, it always feels like, yeah, picking him is a good idea. Yeah, I'm in for Trout. <laughs> he's yeah. he's the best he's the best player in the American League. Last year was a cool, interesting story where Jose Abreu uh, a really a good fun player who's been good for uh, for uh, his whole career here in the states and really good in Cuba too. Before that, um, sort of just hit the full sprint for those sixty games perfectly and came out as uh, as MVP. So I'm trying to think of someone who could do something like that. And I mean, because otherwise, yeah, you're it's it's absolutely Mike Trout is the best player in the league who had his worst offensive season since his rookie year last year and still would have projected to be a six plus win player. I mean, it's just dumb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so, all like, I, yeah. How, how does he keep doing that? Like even when he's bad, he is transcendent. Yeah. Uh, it well it's like his he's a man who had all the skills and as any skill has faded as he's gotten a little less fast uh he has gotten stronger and more selective in the right ways and it's just, he, he's he's a machine. He's mm -hmm. you know he's baseball LeBron is yeah. uh for for right now. He picks up and uh, he picks up or greatly heightens a skill every offseason and it's uh yeah, I think it would be hard to pick anyone uh anyone over him. And besides, like, you know, Aaron Judge coming back, I, if Aaron Judge is healthy for a whole year, he can also just hit 55 homers, you know, so that's right. also, uh, so I'll say uh, that'll be my 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 dark horse <laughs> pick is not su uh, super dark horse, but yeah, if 
Trout is baseball LeBron, so I guess the only way he can win a World Series ring is if he buys the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, could, it, it could happen. He's got some money. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, he goes to play for the Miami Marlins with Fernando Tatis and Mookie Betts. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, why, why do we keep going back to nightmares? Stop. Stop <laughs> the bad thing. Uh, National League MVP, who you got? I got Tatis. Let's go with the sexy Love pick. Love it. Uh, you know, I, I I think Tatis is super fun. I did it last year, so I'm just going to do it. I, I, I mentioned it as a possibility last year. I'm just going to lean into it this year. And this sort of goes against some of my other predictions. But I'll say Wilson Contreras. I'll Ooh, say yes. as a yes. dark horse pick, if at the end of the year, if the framing's there all year, you're going to look at the war. And if he puts an offensive season with the, the defensive season he's capable of, you could see a seven win season from Wilson Contreras. And uh, I don't think the Cubs are going to be good enough to really keep him on the map that much. So I really do. I, my first thought was honestly, God dang it. Nolan Arenado is going to win yeah. somehow, isn't he? But uh, I'll, for, I'll be more optimistic than I was on the Cubs podcast and say Wilson Contreras for league MVP. I, I, desperately want that to happen like what a joy that would be after after all we've been through just this week like to see that blossom during the regular season be phenomenal uh if i'm going the sexy pick i'm gonna go nico horner but i think that's probably a bad choice <laughs> sure it's sexy <laughs> right if we're big if we're making sexy picks how do we define sexy and yep. then we move forward yeah, I was gonna say if we're if we're going for uh, if we're talking about the past week, I feel like Ken has also suffered a a middle finger injury like Shohei just from flipping <laughs> off the rickets. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. yeah, both both are sprained. Unfortunately, I'm on the I'm going to start the year on the DL. Uh, but if Ted Barrett or Sam Holbrook has the plate, I'll find a way to power through in the first series. Uh, I'm going to go Team Mookie Betts for National League MVP. Just That's a great call. Yeah, let let's fully stick it on that trade uh, since we spent most of your podcast talking about perspective team faces of franchises leaving the teams they should have never left in the first place let's let's really stick it to that god-awful trade last year and you know and Mookie Betts paid off in the best possible way in his first year I see no reason to, th to see why he won't do it in his second with the Dodgers and uh moving on to Cy yeah. Young uh let us start with the National League this time you Darvish baby hell yeah talking about making a trade hurt and I am on same guy I'm on, on board the Darvish train too. I I love Darvish. I I prefer Darvish. <laughs> uh, I, I I feel like this is the Mike Trout pick of this award, but I'll say J, uh, I'll say Degrom in New York. He is just weirdly so he adds velocity every year he's gone from 97 to 98 to 99 to 100 to 101 we're hearing it's weird and he just slowly is building up a hall of fame resume at this point and the Mets and I think he's the kind of competitor who is going to be pushed even harder by a team that's better and the Mets have put a team around him this year where he's going to be pitching in meaningful games late this year and I could see DeGrom just going on an absolute like complete game after complete game at the end of this year if they're in a race with the Braves and then leading to what might be one of the most lit wild card one game playoffs we've had which could be a Mets Padres thing which could Ooh, be what? nuts. God, Darvish against DeGrom in a one-gamer. Yeah, bring that on. Yeah. Uh, DeGrom will be the first Hall of Famer in history whose career record is 91 and 89. <laughs> Just a King, a King Felix resume. <laughs> yes, yeah. that one-year writ large. Yeah. Uh, American League, I'm going to go Lucas Giolito. 
great. Yeah, the steps he took last year, especially coming from where he was just a couple of years ago, literally worst pitcher by statistical measures in baseball to throwing the no-hitter last year and becoming the face of that great young pitching staff uh, and also someone who has built velocity over the years as well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, this is... Imagine if you were still on the Mets. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, was he the Mets or was he the Nats? Oh, Nats. Was he, the- he was, he was oh, on Nats. the Nats. I'm sorry, Nats, Nats, yeah. Nats, yeah. yeah. I mean, but even the same point still stands. Either if, way. If you were yeah. on the Nats, yes. That's Scherzer and Strasburg and Giolito. Holy shit. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he is, he is my guy this year. And uh, I think if the White Sox do manage to overcome Tony La Russa, it's going to be through the efforts of guys like him. I'm going to pick for my, I, I, I think Giolito's great. I think his stuff is fun. I think he seems like one of the coolest guys in baseball too. He just seems like a great dude. Um, so I would absolutely love to see that. So here I'm going a little bit away from what I did in National League where it was a, a guy who's a workhorse who, uh, who's been at the top of Cy Young list for a long time. Um, I'm going to say because everyone's workloads are going to be weirdly affected this year. Uh, an unprecedented innings jump that we didn't even have coming off the 94-95 seasons. And uh, what we know about pitchers and pitcher health right now is that you can't really take a massive innings jump one year to the next without really feeling it. I'm going to say because innings uh, innings loads are reduced and rate stats will really matter. Kenta Maeda, I'm mm. going to say, is mm. going to – he started – he finally got a full commitment from a team to start with Minnesota last year. And I think this year he's going to throw 160 really effective innings and sort of sneak to the top as guys like Cole or Bieber or Giolito maybe don't pile up the – the strikeouts as much as they would in in a normal full season. And uh, is it too late now to say Shane? I'm going with Mr. Bieber. Ah, you're a believer. Yes. Love it. I'm a believer. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been very impressed with him. I think Garrett Cole is probably the number one pick that you'll see if you look up any like pundits. Uh, I just refuse to pick a Yankee. Yep. So I'd rather go with, uh, with, with Shane Bieber and, and hope that I'm right. But I think all, all three are good, are good choices. The most important question with Shane Bieber, of course, is does he get his peaches down in Georgia? <laughs> that is a topical music reference. It is. It's a show. Justin Bieber. How about that? Huh? <laughs> I'm very impressed, Ken. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. It is not too late for me to say sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, baby, baby, baby. Oh, oh wow. Jeez. Suddenly we're Bieber's on got some bangers. He really, yeah. he truly does. Yeah. Does. There, there is talent there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, like Shane Bieber, there is talent there. <laughs> uh, so we are running up against a deadline here. Do you guys want to jump straight to the World Series picks? Or... Yeah, I got a few. I, I got I got five minutes. Okay. okay. Uh, let's go quick divisions. Uh, AL East, I got Yankees. Yankees for me. Mm-hmm, same. Yeah. Central is White Sox. I'm also... going Twins because they lost Jimenez. I've got white, yeah. I've got white socks. Uh, not to jump the gun. Twins is my wild card. Mm. Yeah, I think it's you, and I want to say it was a Fangraphs that downgraded the White Sox to about eighty-four wins mm. because of the Jimenez loss. So mm-hmm. you've got evidence behind you there, Adam. Uh, West, I'm going the A's. A's for me as well. Same. Yeah, uh, and then my wild cards are Twins and Rays. I got twins and angels. I'm very curious to see what happens with the Rays this year, because if they are truly, really good, then they have a magic beyond my understanding because they got 
appreciably worse, it seems, and I didn't understand why the lineup was good to begin with, yeah. looking at the names, but clearly they know stuff. So it's going to be very interesting. I've got the Blue Jays second in the East this year, but it, I would not be, I, I guess in, to, to some degree, I would be surprised to see Tampa jump like that, but they know some stuff. So it'll be, I'll be very curious to see what happens with them. And I took some swings here. Uh, I think the White Sox with the Larusa effect and losing Eloy are, are going to miss the playoffs. I also think the Astros are going to miss the playoffs, which would make me very happy. I'm going Angels Jays as my wild card game. Nice. You're picking karma. Sexy. I like it. Yeah. Uh, yes. And in the National League, my East team is the Braves. I've got Mets. I've got Nats. I'm yeah. taking hey, I'm swinging three. for 90. It's a it's a great it's a great uh, great division and yes. yeah three different three different division winners here interesting that's the one division that feels like it's all over the map but for good reasons mm-hmm. yeah everyone's trying to win yeah I the mean, anti the, the anti NL Central yeah <laughs> yes the, the consensus the map for the bad reasons my central team Brewers I've got the Cardinals I've got the Cubs. <laughs> God, two divisions, two different, uh, two, yeah. two, three different winners. I sense us. there may be more of a consensus in the West. Yeah, to, yeah. I, I think I'm on board with the Dodgers still, as much as the Padres have improved. That's, Dodgers that's is one until I see evidence they're knocked off. I got to believe in them. Same. Um, yes, I also have. Uh, I also have the Dodgers. Uh, and, I uh, have Padres and Braves as my wild cards. Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. I'm going Padres Nats, so I, I'm buying a little bit of the Nats Kool Aid. And I'm Padres Braves as well in okay. the uh, in, in the wild card. So, so similar similar groups there. Yeah. Uh, so our uh, pennant picks. Who is your World Series matchup this year? I am going. This is how about this? Uh, partly because the the reason that you mentioned, Kevin, uh, that I didn't quite understand how they did so well last year. Uh, I have the Rays to repeat as American League champs because mm. it would make even less sense this year. And yeah, <laughs> let's go with chaos. Sure. Against. The Atlanta Braves. I think that's I think that's a that's a really good pick. I could absolutely see it, and it was so close to happening last year. Uh, Kevin, do you want to go? Sure. Uh, I will say I was torn between what do I truly think is going to happen, or what am I vibing? And what I'm vibing is Padres White Sox in the uh, in the World Series, and I'm vibing that because Eloy will be back at some point. If the White Sox get into the playoffs, they, I mean, the starting rotation is deeper this year. Lance Lynn is maybe the most good pit, the most good start, consistently good starting pitcher no one cares about. Uh, yeah. I think that was a really good acquisition that they had to strengthen. Yeah, you strengthen have like it. Giolito, Lynn, and Keichel. Keichel, who was a sub two ERA last year. Yeah. I mean, and a Cy Young winner. So I, I think I'm going to say White Sox and Padres, they're both uh, uh, the. The championship series, I got Padres, Dodgers, and White Sox, Yankees. And I think the Yankees and Dodgers, even though the Dodgers are coming off a win, I think they're going to be overwhelmed by the energy and the pressure of the Padres who don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be similar with the White Sox and uh, and Yankees. We're going to get some choke jobs, and then we're oh. going to see uh, the, the White Sox and Padres in the championship. And uh, much much to my own chagrin, I think Yankees fans will finally get what they want this year. I am calling, uh, shout out to Qualcomm Stadium, I am calling a 1998 rematch, Yankees over the Padres in the World Series. They just knocked down Qualcomm Stadium, so maybe they are trying to exercise the ghosts. So <laughs> you believe that exercising the ghosts is effective, who's going to win your Yankees-Padres World Series matchup, Adam? I'm going Yankees, Yankees ah, over Padres. Build Qualcomm Stadium back. <laughs> I've got Padres over White Sox. 
Yeah, and I have the Braves taking it over the Rays. So, uh, yeah, excellent. All right. Uh, so, any other things we want to throw out before we get ready to start the season? I, the main, th- <laughs> I mean, as a Cubs fan, I'll say that I uh, am very, I'm very excited for baseball to be back. I'm back. I'm excited for it to be a full season to see the stats at the end of the year resembling the stats I like seeing. You know, the full end of 162 sort of stats. Uh, I I am very glad that uh, I am going to get to watch games that other teams play besides my uh, my own favorite. I think this is just. I I think we have a really we're in a very good era of talent for baseball overall. And uh, I think it's, a, it's going to be an exciting on field year. Yeah. I hope baseball realizes that too. Me too. Yeah. I got, I got nothing other than the fact that uh, I look forward to, to seeing you both in person at some point and, and maybe even taking a game at Wrigley. Yes. You uh, get your guys, get yourselves out to Chicago. We are going absolutely. Um, yeah. Going to see a game in person and also taking trips to see a game in person this year. I think uh, regardless of how frustrating our team is going to be, that is going to be a very special thing. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Well, I still got you here, gentlemen. Oh, we have a podcast called uh, Cubs Brawl, the Away Games podcast. Follow us at Away Games Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us through that. And we talk about uh, baseball in general, but specifically the Cubs every week, dropping new episodes on Wednesdays. And the, the angrier we get at the Cubs, the less we talk about them and the more we talk about baseball. So <laughs> be, there may be a lot of just generic baseball talk this year. Yeah. And if you uh, you can also listen to me, uh, if you really don't want to talk about baseball, you can listen to me talk about either this, the show Sex in the City or Bridgerton, a podcast called The Bridgerton Bros and Sex in the City. It's with a very funny TV writer named John Daly. So I'll plug that. Excellent. And and for anybody who likes sports, but also different sports, uh, I, I also am the co-host of a basketball podcast called Horse Hoops. Uh, you can find us at uh, at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook and at Horse underscore Hoops on Twitter because somebody has Horse Hoops. I don't know why, uh, but uh, it's a it's a basketball podcast that is not so much about like stats and wins and losses, but more about the, the fun stuff like the game Horse, which is kind of basketball adjacent. So uh, check that out if you're into basketball. That is basketball at my level. So that's, that's excellent. <laughs> if you want to talk to, uh, hear me talk about Cobra Kai, just ask me because it's great. <laughs> yeah, it is good. Yeah. Uh, but gentlemen, speaking of great, this has been delightful to spend the past couple hours with you. Uh, let's extend Rizzo, huh? Yeah, extend Rizzo. Extend Rizzo. Extend Rizzo.